This is Amanda. And this is Rachel. And this is Vocal Perspective. Hi, everybody. This is Amanda. And today we're talking to Georgia Renosto. She is originally from Italy and she came to the United States for the first time to study at Berklee College of Music. And now she is part of Women of the World who have more championships than I could possibly go into right now. But we'll talk a little bit about it in the interview. Hi, Georgia. How are you? Hi, very well. Hi, everybody. <laughs> it's always so nice to hear a little bit more about yourself right? when someone else is saying it. Definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> so for people that don't know about Women of the World, could you tell us a little bit about the group and then we'll go back and talk about your journey to getting to Women of the World? Absolutely. Women of the World was born as a project at Berkeley College of Music and uh, the founder Ayumi Weda had this beautiful dream to put together people from all over the world and sing for peace, which, you know, on a micro level, it means just to understand, respect each other every day. So we met at Berkeley with Ayumi and she asked me to be part of Women of the World and since then we traveled many countries, we got out about three CDs and uh, our repertoire spans in 37 languages and rhythms from all around the world and dialects. So what we do is really sing to unite. That is what we try to do. <laughs> <laughs> so dear listeners, if you have not heard Women of the World, I encourage you to go out and get their album, but I especially encourage you to see them live when they come through your town because it's a pretty special experience, I think. But let's go back. You come from a very musical family. So where did all of this music start for you? It started, so my uh, grandfather was a clarinet player. And so I was listening to his vinyls when I was very, very young. So he played opera mostly. So he played in an orchestra. And so I was listening to these beautiful vinyls with him. And I actually inherited them, all of them. <sighs> I still have them in Torino, in my hometown in Italy. And I was very young and I started singing along. And my mom understood that music was very, very important to me. And I went, I started studying piano and then I dropped it. I started playing guitar and voice was always like singing was always my main thing. So I sang. I sang in any occasion. And, you know, I had a little cassette, you know, so I would record also, I would listen to music. It was like for joy and for sorrow, that was where I would go. So what drew you to Berkeley? What took you away from your home across <laughs> an ocean and put you at a little school in Boston? Well, first off, so I started a jazz school when I was about 18 years old. And my very first teacher told me about Berkeley. And he told me that he thought that I would fit perfectly into that school. He had done some summer programs. And so since then, the bug was in my mind and I started researching. And fast forward about 15 years later, I finally landed in Boston with a one-way ticket for one semester. And then I decided that I didn't want to go away. Berkeley was my biggest dream. So in between 18 and 32, I was a very old student when I came to the United States. I was singing semi-professionally in a quintet, in a vocal quintet, in choirs, in jazz, big bands, and, and all of that. So that's a little bit of my story before Berkeley. And then when I came to Berkeley, I'm on my second semester, I met Ayumi. We formed Women of the World together. And that's history. <laughs> so 
Women of the World has done quite a few things. Uh, you've won Harmony Sweepstakes. You won the very first Aka Open. But I know the outreach and when you do travels, that's probably more important to you, I would guess. Yes. Outreach, outreaches are very, very important to us and meet young generations and students all over the world is really important. So because of the web that we are in, when we perform through our booking agent, we do performing arts centers and they usually have outreaches uh, all over those towns that we go, cities. And we meet young generations and we meet students and they are really how the music touches them and what we represent because when we, you see us on stage we are really diverse. Mm -hmm. People always ask how did you come together? How you format, you know, and how you for deal with the problems like the everyday problems because we really are from four different upbringings and like completely different religion anything you know and so we always say that we try to respect each other as much as possible and I know we do and the moment of truth is on stage so when we sing together our voices together really speak the truth not digging for group drama how do you guys overcome cultural differences I know you come from all four corners of the world you said very different cultures very different religions how do you all overcome that because I think it's a great example for everyone especially while we're going through so much strife globally right. being afraid right. of each other yeah how do you all handle that so so Annette Philip from India, uh, which is a member of Women of the World, once said that peace is not uh, doesn't mean not having conflict, but is the resolution. So, which I think it's it's true, and I think that that's our way of dealing with things. We talk a lot, and when something is not sitting right, we just we we fight. We also fight. <laughs> but again, I bring uh, that word again: respect. And you know, we respect each opinion. We even if we do not agree, we try to have common place. That's what we do, and really the resolution, the respect, the the understanding. It's the most important thing. Of course. You all spend a lot of time together. You are on the road quite a bit. What is being on the road like? Because I know there are a lot of artists, young artists out there that think that maybe touring is, is part of their dream. What kind of advice or tips would you have? Well, first off, I think if you have a routine, meaning like a body mind routine and also musical routine that will be ideal going to the gym and or just having a little run a little workout in your hotel room it's really important sleep is extremely important and at the same time you know sometimes when you start you just say the four of us you know like we are quartet so it's the four of us but little by little if you can bring together a team of people that can and handle things that can be a burden for the artist, that would be ideal. So I would work towards that. We worked towards that. And we have quite a nice team of people that are coming with us on tour. Not in US. In US, we 
manage. But when we are abroad, when we don't speak the language, we need a tour manager. So just making sure that all your needs are fulfilled. To me personally, the most important thing is having a hotel where I'm not scared. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> you travel the world and there are places where you enter your hotel room and you don't feel safe. And that for me is really, really important. And so there is a requirement uh, of having a certain type of hotels, like the clean and safe hotel, the best. And eating. I discover little by little that having the right food, it's also, it nourishes my brain, my body, my, my soul, my overall. So I sometimes I have to bring my food with me, even if I have to have less clothing in my bag. And <laughs> it's more important. So I don't know if this is helpful for somebody, but really when you tour, you sometimes go in places that are not, you don't have your usual grocery store. So right. you really have to plan ahead. Well, and you're Italian and Italians show love through food. So Yeah, and you, you, you if you want to laugh, like I, I remember when we toured Alaska for three and a half weeks, the first thing that I did, it was like bringing my olive oil with me. <laughs> <laughs> so you all have been so many places in the world. What place has been maybe your favorite or your most memorable? Oh, my goodness. Uh our last tour in Germany was one of the most wonderful for me. People were just welcoming us like, oh my God, like women of the world is coming and uh, the care that they had and even the public, uh, the, uh, the audience, they were so happy to see us in Berlin. We had this incredible show. So I, I really have dear in my heart the experience when we toured Germany. And of course, we were in Europe and you know, it's like my home. But I really, I really think that Germany was memorable. And every time that we go somewhere, I also try to stay a little bit more to understand the culture. I did it for the first time when we went to Japan and I went to India when, I mean, I stayed in India. And it's like, you know, to discover really the culture to stay there. So every place has their own beautiful beautiful things and sometimes also some glitches here and there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And for a lot of Americans, I mean, there are a lot of Americans, which it's weird to Europeans uh, that don't even have passports. I know. So what kind of lessons have you all learned from traveling to these places that are they there are glitches, there are wonderful things, but there are also some scary things? Well, you, you know, like for us, it's already a little bit of a strange combination because for the four of us, only one is is an American member. The other three are from other places in the world. So we went through different visas, right? Right. <laughs> from student to artist and to now having a green card, but it wasn't an easy process. And when we go abroad, we always have to, to certain places, depending on which passport you have, you have to get different visas as well. So, and it comes down to geopolitics, <laughs> how much you paid for the visa. <laughs> like I paid less to enter, where was it? Oh, China. My fee for China was for, was nothing compared to the American fee for China. <laughs> yes, it's quite expensive <laughs> for 
mad because she's from India and she's always the one that has more problems with her passport. Not problems, but it takes longer. Yeah. You really have to plan ahead, big time ahead. Like when we know that we go somewhere, the first thing is to check what's the visa situation and what's the visa process and how our passports fit in the visa process. So that's a big part of our travels. Yeah, it's also really disappointing to hear that countries are charging different nationalities, different <laughs> right. fees and giving them yeah. different problems. That's something I think we need to work on globally. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the mentors that you've had in your music career and maybe how they've helped shape how you approach your music career? Sure. In common, we have one mentor and her name is Rhiannon. She taught at Berkeley while we were at Berkeley, like in different years but in the span of two years she could sing with us and Rhiannon is now touring with Bobby McFerrin she was originally with Boistra so she's a very important person because when we went and visit her in Hawaii where she lives when she's not on tour she has a beautiful farm uh, in the big island and she kind of passed the baton. She said that we really have a big world responsibility on how to carry music and, you know, the message of peace. So she's a very big mentor. And then I have a couple of mentors from Berkeley, and I still hold in my heart my very first teacher, jazz, voice jazz teacher from Torino. And I recently sang with him over the summer, and it was a very sweet moment because my mom was also there and she told me that it has been probably 15, 20 years that she didn't hear me singing that way, <laughs> like having that connection with somebody. And I know that my teacher was the reason why I really wanted to go to Berkeley and kept singing. So um, I feel that he's a big mentor to me. And we, when you sing with a person, you can hear when there is something that matches and matches more profoundly and deeply than just two voices. So Women of the World has a very special mission. How does that influence the song choices that you all make? Our song choices can vary, meaning that we receive suggestions. We ask, we always ask, do you have a song that you would like us to sing? We find stuff on YouTube, but we also have very different musical taste. That's something that it's very interesting. So like one of our song comes from, you know, I was in Torino Christmas five years ago. I listened to a song on a movie theater and I said, we have to sing it. And we sang it. <laughs> or, you know, it's a little song on the radio that we hear. So it's about the message because we really know each lyric that we sing, we know the translation, but it's also what we like, like uh, aesthetically speaking, you know, mm -hmm. musically speaking, what please our ears. Although we don't sing stuff that has curse or, you know, just something, <laughs> racism, I mean, against something, like, of course, that's something that we care about. Like, What's next? What is the plan for Women of the World? What do you want to do next? Women of the world is about to go to the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> I think you are much needed there. <laughs> 
for three concerts and then we are heading over Europe in November. Finally, we are playing in my hometown in Torino on the 10th of November and I am absolutely delighted. And then we have a big tour coming up with Columbia Artists and we are touring so through Deke Sharon. I think everybody knows Deke. If you don't know Deke Sharon, we've already talked about him in the first 13 episodes. So if you haven't looked him up yet, you probably should. So Deke invited us to join the tour with other three groups and one beatboxer. It's called Acapella Live. And we are just, you know, touring the United States. Like, really, it is a Pan-American tour. So we will start on the West Coast and we will go south and back again. So from the end of January until the first first week of April and then we will head over Europe again. We have uh, a Japan tour in June and then we have, it's a news that I guess it's it's out there so I can tell. <laughs> so we have a new project with Take Six and so Women of the World is um, <laughs> touring with Take Six and the name of the tour it's really a little bit uncertain as of now I don't even want to say it but I mean so Women of the World and Take Six will tour from October 2020 till probably March April 2021. That makes me so happy because we saw you. I was at the Blue note when you all came to see Take Six sing and then was upstairs in kind of the green room area and watched you guys sing for them and it was still to this day it's one of the most special musical moments ever in my life (laughs) to watch Take Six who are some of my heroes they were just in awe of you ladies so it was it was a very special (laughs) moment it's mutual (laughs) yeah when when we got the offer for the tour they were saying well we have this uh, you know we were thinking of you and Take Six touring together what do you think Mm, let me think yes (laughs) I'm sorry did I not already say yes did I (laughs) that's amazing I cannot wait to see that's going to be such an incredible tour yeah we are too we are very very excited like extremely excited listeners if you don't know who Take Six is also go look them up so you have a lot of homework this week listeners (laughs) (laughs) So what about you? Do you do other things outside of Women of the World? I do. I actually do. So I was very lucky. The fact that I started Women of the World also hit me in a way that I understood how music industry changed. And uh, in the course of, you know, the last... 20 years. I mean, I was in the music industry in in Europe and then I came to the United States. I didn't know anything. I had to learn pretty quickly. And then when I finished Berkeley, I started thinking, what should I do? So I literally, I learned a job. I learned the job of manager, booking agent and whatnot. So, and I started also giving talks at Berkeley and my talks became a class. So I taught some class that it was more on artist development and which I really loved. I taught the five weeks. So it's a Berkeley summer program. And then we started touring in the summer. So I couldn't uh, just 
continue teaching during the summer and I, I, as of now, I prefer not to teach during the school year because I, I love touring. I love touring more at this moment in my life. But when we go places, I just ask Berkeley if they have partner uh, schools and they usually send me place like in some universities where I can teach my class. So that's one thing that I do. And I just got a new proposal to become the artistic director of a big festival in Italy, which is something that I really hope to do. I mean, I really hope they will confirm <laughs> my so it's still in the making but I think that's something that I really really would love to do and so between the teaching and um, you know this new job that I will have women of the world and I also draw so I draw a lot and I am thinking on how to you know put that into becoming a steady income as well like my drawings, so printing and all of that. So that's what I do. That's pretty amazing. Thank you. For, especially for students from overseas. We also, we talked to Essen Idingos last week and yes. she came from Turkey to go yeah. to Berkeley. Mm -hmm. What recommendation do you have to students that want to leave home and come and study at a school like Berkeley? What kind of preparations should they make? Berkeley can offer you whatever you want, but you need to understand how to take it, <laughs> how to grab it, how to find it. So by being an older student, I think my luck was being an older student and I knew exactly which teachers I wanted to study with. I knew that I wanted to do some classes that were not for vocalists, just to push myself. So as a, as a vocalist, but classes for instrumentalists, I did take some improv classes. And even if I didn't have the ratings, Berkeley works on ratings. So I was just, um, you know, hassling. I was like, I want to get in your class. I want to get in your class. <laughs> so have the schools are can be you can be lost but if you know a couple of teachers that you want to study with just follow them and they will give you everything and open up really your mind your musicality doors and it's it's also a lot about the relationship that you establish at Berkeley because my career literally you know blossomed at Berkeley because of the relationship and then be there be everywhere you know like be in the concert halls be in in the I don't know workshops do extra stuff just to meet people and to connect and play as much as possible and I would say go listen to music outside school as well because that's something that try to understand the professional world how it works before getting out of your studies so go also listen to music for sure thank you so much georgia this has been a really enlightening interview i always enjoy talking to you and i'm glad i got to share some of our conversation with the greater world rather than just in my living room <laughs> <laughs> your living room <laughs> <laughs> we have great conversations in my living room we do <laughs> we might have to charge a patreon fee or something to come and listen to our living room conversations <laughs> but thank you so much georgia and thank we will you, talk to you soon thank you bye-bye
Okay, so this week, we're not exactly talking about a topic, but Akaville was out, and it's kind of cool when Akaville gets to go to multiple events in the same weekend. So Rachel was at the Aka Open with Aaron and Dana Director, and I got to go to Salem, Massachusetts for Haunted Harmonies, which was really cool. They're two very different events, very different perspectives. Let's start with what you got to see in New York City, Rachel. It was, I'm speechless, because it was such a powerful event. There were so many different groups represented both geographically and thematically at the Aka Open. And I was so impressed by the breadth and the depth of what people are doing out there. And so like, for example, the group that won the entire shebang, the $25,000 and the Gooding Cup was a beatboxing duo called Spider Horse. Which I found to be interesting because that's three years in a row where a relatively small group now has won this competition. And I wonder if we're going to see that trend continue. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't have the answer to that. But what I loved about this group was not only were they this small in number, but big in sound. I also really loved that they were breaking boundaries, right? They were crossing boundaries, which was their intention. Their stated intention was to bridge the gap between beatboxing and sort of contemporary acapella. And I thought they did a fantastic job doing that. And their joy when they won was, it was just so palpable. It was so beautiful to see. I could feel it just from the pictures that you all posted from, you know, I was 200 miles away (laughs) and I I still felt it. Yeah. And I just wanted to also call out a little bit just the professionalness of intonation who came in second and are they're a high school group and they I sounded... was so impressed that they got second place and you know I wasn't there to watch but good for them they are such an amazing group and I've been backstage with them at previous finals and you'd never guess that they're high school students no they're they're phenomenal it was amazing and for me I also particularly love two others I thought Tonewall they had a message and they sent it and it was worked. It really worked in terms of what they were trying to say, both sort of socially and how they said it. Acapella-y. I don't know. It's not a word I know, but like, you know, how they said it. We can make up any aca word we want, Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought that they just owned themselves. So they were, I I really loved their intention and how they sold it. And then for me personally, Business Casual was so everything that I have always loved about acapella. The joy Mm -hmm. and not only only that but the voice, right? They did it not just in their showmanship, but they sang it so beautifully that uh, I I just loved what they did. I love them. I've seen them compete at a pretty high level several times over the last couple of years. And they know how to compete. They know how to put on a show. They have that polish that I think a lot of groups could stand to learn from watching them. Absolutely. So I want to hear about Haunted Harmonies since I didn't have a chance to go there. And I'm curious what your experience there was like. So this was my second Haunted Harmonies. I also went two years ago. And it's a cool, very unique little event. So Haunted Harmonies, I think this was the fifth year, might have been the fourth, I'm sorry, Haunted Harmonies people, but they're, you know, they're starting to get their legs underneath them. And they are now officially part of Haunted Happenings, which in Salem, it pretty much goes on the entire month of October. And there's all kinds of tours and haunted attractions and the streets are packed. And it's you know, everyone wants to go to Salem and be in the land of the witches during Halloween, which I get it, but it's still a little weird when you think of like what the witches actually were and they were just women who had opinions or, you know. <laughs> but. She's a witch. 
<laughs> we're witches. <laughs> we're all witches. We'd all be witches right now, ladies. But I mean, it's very cool. It's a very unique event. So they do master classes. So and uh, aside from streaming it for Akaville, I was also there as part of my quartet rogue. So we got to do a master class with Jody Jenkins, who is a professor at Berkeley. Wow. So that's great for us because we're a barbershop quartet. So to get a non-barbershop opinion and such a high educated level? one, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. high level one was a really great experience. And then we also got two opportunities to busk on the very busy streets of Salem, which was very cool. And they put us on amplification this time. Ben Cohen ran sound outside, which was it was really fun. People stopping to watch and putting some money in your little cauldron and all of the groups dressing up. And some of us were in more Halloween-y gear. Oh, I was going to ask, did they carry that theme throughout the actual weekend in terms of song selection choices? Some groups did. It wasn't required, but some groups did include a little bit of Halloween-themed songs in their set selection or their costumes. Pitch Please all dressed up as it was kind of like a witch scene. So they were like hay bales and someone had a call, like someone came out as a cauldron and someone was dressed as the moon. It was, it was really cool. And then there was a high school group from North Reading, Massachusetts called uh, Notorious. Hopefully I got that right. And they were all zombies and they sang (gasps) zombie by the cranberries. And it was just, it was so cute. It was (laughs) so cute. My group kind of the Halloween look too. We were like steampunk witches outside. And then we were very um, glittery bats (laughs) inside. (laughs) But, and then we sang death of a bat bachelor and we just changed the instead of it was like you're ending your bachelorhood it was we're ending the bachelor so awesome (laughs) it was really fun and then it's a very low stakes competition Mm. so there's still a contest there there were six groups two high school groups two college groups and two adult groups and it's in a church the tabernacle church right down in the heart of salem and it's two songs there are six panelists they give out a couple of special awards and a group wins and you don't win anything you win a certificate that says you won right yeah and you can put it on your resume but it's really low-key and it's really relaxed and that we we got to talk to some of the groups everyone's put in the same room to get ready and it's just very relaxed and the church is full and you get to sing in front of people you don't normally get to sing in front of there's a good sound clara sound owned by caleb weldon uh-huh. was there and it was actually jeff ames who was his brethren in overboard he was there running sound all the way from california so that was a nice little surprise but It's just a really good event, especially early in the scholastic year, because Mm. you get a chance to run out some music in a very low pressure situation. And the staff there is fantastic. I mean, it's run by all of these great people in the Boston area, Amy Malkoff and Alex Grover and Jody Jenkins and probably people that I'm forgetting. (laughs) And they had they had like 20 volunteers. They did a raffle. They really made it just a great overall rounded event. I enjoyed it. I can't wait to go back. It's it's fun. It's fun. You want to work hard to do well there, but it's not like the super pressure of the bigger competitions. And it's cheap. We paid 50. $15 a person to go to this event. And we got a masterclass, we got to busk, we got to compete. So we got a lot out of it for not a lot of money. Nice. Well, folks, these are two awesome events that will be happening again next year. So put them on your calendar. 
That wraps up episode 14 of Vocal Perspective. We hope you've enjoyed this. We really did enjoy speaking with Georgia and learning more about women of the world. Next week, we'll be back with episode 15, where we talk with Meredith Strang, who is the music director of Treble, the longest running post-collegiate group in New York City. She's got lots of great advice on longevity for groups and group dynamics and even arranging for female voices. Tune in for the debut broadcast on Acaville Radio at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays.